Welcome to another segment of BuddyCast. I'm here with my buddy, Jerry Clark. For those who don't know, Jerry Clark was a lead investigator on a pretty interesting case we had here in Erie, Pennsylvania a while back. Um, would you like to describe the case for us? Sure, yeah. For the FBI, the case was known as Collar Bomb. Uh, for most of America, we know it as the Pizza Bomber. And basically in 2003, August 28th, uh, an individual walked into a bank here in Erie, Pennsylvania, wearing a live device and attempted to rob the bank, which he, which he did. Uh, at that time, we weren't sure if it was live or, or, or uh, just a hoax device, but uh, he exited the bank and drove a short uh, area away and was placed under arrest by the P Pennsylvania State Police. And at that point, while the bomb squad was actually in route and, and trying to get geared up to come onto the scene, the device detonated, resulting in his death. Mm. Mm, that must have been very tragic or very just. Yeah, uh, Nick, it was one of those things where I was on scene. I was 20, 30 feet from him when the device went off. And um, it's something you never will forget. Uh, I had been an FBI agent for a long period of time and I had done hundreds of bank robberies, uh, but never had I seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. When you first started in law enforcement, did you ever think something like this would ever unfold or ever happen to you? You know, you, you go into law enforcement with the idea of, you know, protecting society and doing the right thing and helping and, uh, we, we have so many great law enforcement people out there working diligently every day to keep us safe. And you prepare for something to happen, but you hope and oftentimes never have it happen. And that's a good thing. But in this instance, the most unbelievable thing happened. And that's when you have to gather all your training, your background, your experience and keep your wits about you and, and now put the plan into action on how you're going to investigate a case like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when did you find out that someone wanted to make a documentary on this? Yeah, now that was interesting. That didn't happen until well into the case. Now, as you know, the case happened in August 28, 2003, and it took a approximately three or four years into July of 2004 when we actually indicted people involved in the case. And then it took another three years to go to trial for Marjorie Deal Armstrong, who was involved in the case, and Ken Barnes, who pled guilty. So right around the 2010 timeframe was when documentary people had started coming around and collecting footage and starting putting together case information. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned people like Marjorie D. Armstrong, who was involved in the case. I believe from the documentary, she was one of the lead people in this crime. If you don't mind me asking, where are these people that were involved today? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, there were actually seven total co-conspirators, so to speak, in this case. Only two were indicted and um, two had, well, three had passed away and one was not indicted. So uh, there were unindicted co-conspirators. 
Marjorie Deal Armstrong uh, was indicted with Ken Barnes in 2007, like I said. Uh, to Ken Barnes's credit, he came in and pled guilty in uh, 2008 for his role. And then in 2010, he actually testified at the trial for Marjorie Deal Armstrong, uh, where she was found guilty. Both were sentenced to long periods of incarceration and both died in jail. So Ken Barnes died in jail and Marjorie died in jail approximately two years ago and they're now deceased. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now, how long did it take? You said, um, you said earlier it took a while for all the footage to be clipped and everything to come together. How long total did it take for everything to come together for this documentary? Yeah, it took a few years. So um, the producers, Trey Borzileri and Barbara Schroeder, uh, came to Erie. Um, Jason Wick and I, who... Jason was the ATF agent who uh, worked the case for the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms uh, agency. And then I cooperated in the documentary uh, initially. And it took, it took a few years for them to put everything together. And then Netflix came along and decided that was something that they were interested in. And that's when it became a four-part series. Uh, called Evil Genius. Hmm. Hey, and um, have you gotten any interesting feedback from from this documentary after people started seeing it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, Nick. Evil Genius uh, became a pretty significant series, and one of Netflix I I have heard uh, most viewed crime dramas. So and true crime dramas. And it was trending for a long period of time. I had people from all over the world emailing me, texting me, calling me. I've done shows since Netflix. So I've done a number of national shows. And it just, um, it brought a lot of attention to the case. That's for sure. Absolutely. Now, did the documentary leave out any details or any things that you just wish were explained more or uh... absolutely no um you know and and again there's always gonna be a you know a problem with the area of brian wells and the that's the man that went in with the device around his neck and whether he was a cooperator or whether he was forced and unfortunately for him evidence proved in the case through witnesses and forensic evidence that he did know about the robbery and did participate in it. Now to his credit, he tried to back out the day that he saw the device for the first time and said, no, that looks too real. I don't want to do this anymore. And then they forced him to rob it and he went ahead and did it. And that's been a rub with his family, uh, rightfully so, and with with a lot of people who question his involvement. And again, as an investigator, my goal is to follow the evidence and get to the truth through the evidence. And the evidence, unfortunately, showed that he went to pre-planning meetings, that he had known these people, that they duped him, they tricked him, and they told him it wasn't real. 
and he had no idea it was real when he was in the bank. And so that's where Netflix and I sort of lost, um, you know, our way because they were trying to show that he was innocent and he didn't know. And in many ways, again, he was killed in a horrific manner that was violently done by gruesome people who tricked him. But unfortunately, he did know them and did cooperate in the robbery. Mm -hmm. Now, when solving this case, you mentioned like there's difficulties with explaining that detail. Were there any other difficulties while you were still investigating this? Were there anything that was just like had you up all night and all that? Yeah. And that's a great question. And, and yeah, in a major case like that, you're going to have major issues and uh, everybody's passionate, uh, you know, on the law enforcement end, we wanted to get it solved, but we wanted to be correct. Uh, so there were disagreements on who was involved, who wasn't involved. Uh, in the end, we settled with the evidence and knew exactly who was involved. There's always going to be a little bit of an issue with Mr. Stockton. If you watch the documentary, he was one of the people that were living with Rothstein at the time. He was a wanted fugitive, and he became a cooperator for the government, and he was never charged. And that was a real sticking point because uh, a lot of people, including myself as the investigator, thought he should have been charged, uh, but he wasn't. And that was a U.S. attorney's decision, which I respect. Uh, but at the same time, it didn't mean that we were all pleased about it. So, yeah, in, in major cases, you're going to have major problems. And um, that's just one of those things that, that sort of hung out there for us as something that, you know, we, we wished we would have maybe handled a little better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, let's fast forward to like the to the present nowadays. Um, when did you? Uh, what do you think of law enforcement today, if you don't mind me asking? Listen, I think law enforcement's going through a very rough time, and it's a lot of it's, um, you know, one of those difficult things to talk about, but we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we need to know that a majority, and I'm talking 99% of officers, are great people and they do the right thing. But just like in every other profession, you're going to have people that do the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And we law enforcement officers are no different. They're, 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 they're human, but they're good people. And when you have a problem, who do you call? You call a law enforcement officer and you know what they do? They run to trouble and they run toward trouble. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for our men and women who go out there every day as police officers, federal agents, law enforcement officers, uh, prosecutors, and, and, and they put their, their life on the line for us. And so I think this is going to get resolved um, eventually, and, and, and we're going to realize we need our men and women in blue. Absolutely. I respect them too, and I agree with you 100% on that statement. Oh so. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with everything going on today, you know, it's unfortunate. It is. And, and like I said, it'll, it, it'll be back mm -hmm. um, because we need them. They are 
what separate us from chaos. And so um, I know, I know we're going to get this resolved. They're good, good people. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, how did you yourself get involved in law enforcement? Yeah, my father was a, a, a police officer. And so I've always been around law enforcement and loved law enforcement. And uh, I always wanted to be an FBI agent. I just felt like that was my dream job. Um, my background's in psychology and the law, so forensic psychology. And, and I love dealing with why people do things instead of what they do, because what they do doesn't surprise me anymore. It's why they do it. And that's the psychology of it. And I always felt like I could, you know, help society and help people. And I just felt it was a very admirable thing to do. And I am just blessed to have been able to become an FBI agent and then to do the FBI job in my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, after having moved to Philadelphia and to Cleveland and to Cincinnati, Dayton, Pittsburgh, Erie. I'm just so pleased and lucky to have ever done that job in Erie. And uh, because I consider Erie my home and I asked the FBI to return me to Erie, my home, and they did. And um, it was it was a total dream for me uh, to do what I did. Absolutely. Welcome home. Thank you. Yep. Now, what are you up to today? Well, today I retired from the FBI because they have a mandatory retirement age. And I now teach full time at Gannon University, where I'm a professor of criminal justice and the chair of the criminal justice department and social work, sociology and, and mortuary science. So I enjoy teaching new law enforcement officers of the future that are going to go out there with integrity and with respect for the community to go out and investigate crimes and solve crimes. And like I said, be our savior for society. And so I'm just so lucky to do that. And then as a side, if you can notice behind me, uh, two years ago, I purchased a company called Fisher Security and I have 50 some uh, unarmed uniform security guard and patrol service. So I have a security service uh, that I run here in Erie with several customers and I'm enjoying that. So I'm definitely keeping busy since retirement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what I always ask on BuddyCast, you mentioned that you are a teacher and that you love training new people going into looking to go into law enforcement. For anyone out there who is thinking about going into law enforcement, anyone that that's been a dream of theirs that, but maybe like the stuff going on today is maybe like throwing them off a little bit or got them double thinking. What's your advice for anyone who has a dream of going into law enforcement? Nick, that is such a great question. And here's why. Um, if you see what's going on out there and it's, it's challenging you on whether that's something you want to do, I think it should make you more driven to want to do it. And here's the thing. We need diversity. We need people from all blends of life. We need all nationalities, races, genders. We need to be diverse and we need to represent the public. When I go and I teach now, I always say, if you look at the side of a patrol car in Los Angeles, what's it say? It says protect and serve. And that's what we're there to do. And we sort of 
lost faith in that and, and the public's lost faith in that. We're there to help. We're there to help ensure our safety. We're not there to make problems. We're not there to create difficulty. So we need people to step up and say, this is my commitment and my calling, like a doctor would. You know, my family has doctors, uh, medical people, and, and their calling is amazing. My sister, a nurse, and they're doing amazing things. That's the same with law enforcement and and and, and our religious people who it's, it's a calling. That's what law enforcement needs. People in there doing the doing it for the right reason, and that's to help others. So if you're watching out there, don't interrupt your dream. Make it more of your dream to go out there and do what you can to help make a better society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I do have a personal question for you. Yes. I hear you adopted a dog recently. Yes, I sure did. My wife and my family and I, we adopted a, oh, the most beautiful animal, a, a, a dog that uh, we got from a shelter that was going to be put down. And um, I'll tell you what, your sister, Abby, uh, fostered the dog. And, and we took the dog from Abby. And we recently went away. And, and Abby took our, our dog, Kobe, back for, uh, for a week and took such great care of him. So we are just so grateful. He's changed my life. Believe it or not, we can learn so much from our interactions with the animals. And um, I, I just can't speak highly enough of that dog and what he's done for us uh, as our family. Absolutely. So you would definitely recommend for anyone out there looking to like to looking to adopt a dog, you would like 10 out of 10 recommend it. 10 out of 10. Listen, go save one of these creatures from maybe a bad uh, ending. And they are the most loyal things uh they don't ask for anything except love and attention and and to be fed uh and and i i, I just can't speak highly enough of because you care and and all they've done and all these different animal shelters that that rescue these dogs and find them good homes and um like i said i'm getting more from him than he is from me absolutely absolutely Hey, any final comments, anything that we left out or that you... Well, I just want to congratulate you on being a recent Gannon graduate, right? Thank you. Yep. 2018. So, 2001? 2018. Nice. Uh, congratulations. That's fantastic. And Thank Gannon's you. been so good to me. And, and uh, I just can't speak highly enough of the education that they put out uh, and 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 the quality of people that we try to produce in our criminal justice program. Because like I said, it's all about quality and doing the right thing. And to me, that's everything. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. We loved having you. This, is, this was a terrific episode. Thank so, you. I really enjoyed it, Nick. Absolutely. Stick around a minute. We'll chat for you a little bit. Okay, great. Out there, this is my buddy, Jerry Clark. You can watch... The entire case that we discussed on Netflix, it's called Evil Genius. It's a terrific documentary. Once you watch the first episode, you are hooked. You are like, what's next? What's what, what's going on? Wait, what, what, what do you mean this person was this? Or like you just find yourself until the end where 
I'm not gonna ruin the end, but it's all everything comes together, and you're like, that's how. So, and I don't want to be a spoiler, but there's more to come, also. Ooh, once it has, I'll have to have you back on the show. That's exactly right. All righty. Well, thank you so much right. for joining us today. We loved it, and uh, I hope you. I hope you give that dog a biscuit for me at least. So, absolutely, I, I sure will. God bless everybody. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time on BuddyCast.